Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 10 Years Teaching in South Korea, my stories, my adventures, and my misadventures. Uh, so this episode is going to wrap up season one, and then we're going to come back to season one probably in the fall. So just going to have a kind of a couple fun real stories to kind of put a, a bow on it. And um, so the first story I want to share with you is be careful of what you teach when you're in a foreign country. Uh, be careful when you're being too successful because you might be falling into a little bit of a trap. So I want to speak of a time I was teaching a class, and this this is what we're into '98, almost 1999, and this is when I um, one the one year I did not teach in Ilsan. Uh, it was in um, Anyang, in uh, close to Suwon, which is that south of Seoul. Majority of my time has been in north of Seoul, with a short time in Weijambu. Uh, this would have been my one time, my one year south of Seoul in Anyang, and I had a great experience there too. It was a fantastic school. I was at, so I was at the school, and I had a group of kids who came on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and this was an older bunch. Uh, these group of guys were they were mostly boys. And I say guys because every once in a while you get a class that was a strange makeup. I know that the schools did their best to kind of have six girls, six boys. But every once in a while, just because of the, because the, uh, the kids would really be put together because of age and because of their um, time commitment, when they could make it, you'd just get a strange combination every once in a while. So this time, the combination I got was all boys. Now, I'm pretty sure the school was smart enough that when they were like nine boys, they would realize, well, we're not going to put three girls in with these guys. We're going to probably make it an all-boys kind of class. So it was one of the few all-boys classes. Uh, so these were like about 12 boys. They were about 14, 15 years old. And I will say they were the least enthusiastic group of students I ever had. They really weren't buying into it. They were really going to class a lot against their will. Some of them would even kind of skip classes, which was really unheard of in Korea. And sometimes when we called them on it, they got in a lot of trouble. And so they'd come back the next day, uh, next class, kind of uh, a little angry, you know, a little mad. They got caught. Um, a lot of times the kids didn't go to school. They would go to one of the video bongs. A bong is the room for for is a cream wood for like room, right? So you have noi bong, which is singing room, and a video bong, of course, would be like a video room kind of thing, uh, or game room, right? Um, so they would go to like a game room at this time. Um, so in '98, you had. Not everyone had computers at home, but they were getting there. They were starting to get a lot of computers at home. So a lot of young kids would sneak classes, especially the uh, classes like that were extra classes, like our classes, our English classes. Some of them would skip and head to like, you know, an arcade, what we call an arcade in Canada, would play video games. And some of them were, were having personal computers where they have games like uh, War, Warcraft and games like that. I'm not really up on the games as much as I should be. But the kids would go there kind of thing. So these kids kind of were a little rough and tough around the edges. They weren't the go, go, go kind of kids. They weren't easily persuaded with a package of ketchup as I could in the last episode. I could get kids to work hard. These kids took a little more. So I would be teaching and I got a lot of silence, um, a lot of Korean under the breath kind of speaking. And you had to crack down on it. It was like an English only school. You weren't allowed to speak Korean. Um, 
90 percent of the kids bought into that every once in a while it slip out a little bit but most times if you ask a child to no cream no cream that's all you say no cream they would apologize soy teacher soy teacher and they would you know do their best um teachers i have to say this teachers in korea are beloved i mean loved beyond reproach um there's a saying in korea you don't walk in your teacher's shadow uh teachers are so famous in korea some of them have tv shows like it's they, they have a teacher's tv show like they're almost tv personalities teachers in korea um so it is kind of like you know like they're it's like teacher heaven kind of thing there's always a place where people go, if I go there, my job is way kind of more respected. Um, I would definitely say that in Korea for teachers, wow, love, love, love teachers. Teachers are really in high regard kind of thing, right? Um, so, uh, so I'm teaching this class. They aren't totally really buying in. Some of them would skip. Uh, we'd kind of catch them because we'd always call them. They didn't come. They didn't show up. And parents would kind of hunt them down. They knew where they're at and drag them, literally drag them by their ear to class, right? So this is a one, a Saturday class. Now, this is a hard sell. Saturday class, I think it was like 6 p.m. on a Saturday. These boys did not want to be there. But I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best kind of uh, dog and pony show, trying to make it work. And uh, I got some success every once in a while. So I had a class, and we had a bit of a syllabus, and it was a reading a book series that we they want us to touch on, right? And so the book I was teaching was one called The Silver Dart. I'm never going to forget that, The Silver Dart, right? Uh, so that was the title of the book, and I'd read some of it, and they would just nod off kind of thing and not be listening. And um, it was a very basic book. I just wanted to get some key words. So I went to my old kind of reliable, and that's the kind of the chant, the the you know, the caroling, you know, the the chant kind of thing. Like uh, I see a car, I see a cat. I do anything but just get them to copy me a little bit of copying, right? Maybe build up a little bit of energy, build up something, right? So I mean, I tried everything, right? You know, uh, Tom gets in the car. Tom gets in the car. Come on, guys, we can do this and dead air always dead air so that's one of the hardest things in teaching is the dead air right the just it's it's laying flat on the ground i mean even when i was like in the mall being the english festival teaching i could get a couple kids to buy into what i'm saying right and i was always good at like trying to like pull in kind of like the energy like get one or two going and get the others going so I just kind of really want to sell the, 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 the title of the book. And I said, the silver dart, guys, come on, the silver dart. And all together, all 12 went, silver dart. I went, whoa, I got them interested. They, 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 they want to learn. So I started to read it, still dead silence. I said, come on, guys, the silver dart. And they yell again, silver dart. And I said, Oh, great, silver dart. I said, okay, I can do about 10 minutes of this chanting. Maybe I'll build up some momentum. So I'm going to build up some momentum. So I said, the silver dart, the silver dart, the silver dart. Now, they're following along, but it's off a little bit. It's like silver, and they're going silver dart, silver dart. But I'm, listen, I'm going to go for it. I'm just pushing it. This is the most energy I've ever gotten from these guys. So they're going silver dart, silver dart, and the volume is going up, up. I mean, re raising the roof on this one. 
I'm thinking at this point, I am the world's greatest teacher because I just took these 12 boys who did not want to be there, didn't want a word of English, didn't want to learn a word of English, and they're screaming out, silver dart, silver dart. Now, one thing you might have learned in my, in my um, podcast is Saturdays are slow days at the institutions that we work at, at the English institutions. So on Saturday, they're just a minimal staff, right? So there'd be only about three classes going in a place that would have about 14 classes. There'd be three teachers and there'd be maybe one person on the front desk. And your 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 manager and the owner probably on around on a Saturday. If they are, they're just kind of dropping in kind of thing. So I've got these kids chanting, these 12 boys, Silba Dart, Silba Dart, Silba Dart. Now, if anyone who speaks Korean is listening to my podcast, I'm apologizing now because you know what I've just done. And those who don't speak Korean, I'm going to explain to you the horrible mistake that I made. I think a little bit of advice that I give to anyone who goes overseas to teach, learn what are the curse words in the language of the country you're going to. I didn't realize that silver, I thought we were saying silver dart, so when they got really excited, they were yelling Silba Dart, Silba Dart, Silba Dart. Silba, Silba, said the right way, is actually the F word in Korea. So I had not convinced these kids to buy into English. I had joined in with them and being one of the loudest yellers to curse for 10 minutes at the top of our lungs to say F U Dart. Uh, thank goodness, dart, I don't think means anything in Korea, but these 12 boys just screamed the F word for 10 straight minutes. I'm screaming the F word. We are now rocking the building with the F word in Korean until security comes up to see, is there a riot? Has there been you know, a coup on this floor? What has happened? The security pounds in the door. I open the door thinking, for some reason, I thought they were going to high-five me, thinking, hey, you got these kids engaged. And they're going, oh, 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 stop it, stop it, you know. Hejima, hejima, which is Korean for stop, stop, stop. And the 12 boys in the back are laughing now. And I, I'm like, what, what? And then she, and the, and I felt bad for the secretary, who's kind of like you know too embarrassed to kind of repeat it. But the security guy isn't. He goes, "Silva, bad word. Silva, bad word. It means f you." And he didn't say f you. He said it full out. But this uh, is clean content podcast. So I'm not going to say it. So be careful if you're going to teach. Make sure you know what is the uh, f word in uh, the other languages, and don't teach it. And don't chant it, don't scream it, and definitely don't have security come up to break up, I guess, some kind of riot that he thought I had created. So I calmed the boys down, they had a good laugh, and then we went back to dead silence, and it, it took a while. Um, I would say, in a weird way, the teaching actually improved in that class, so it was an icebreaker. Um, I don't think the secretary ever told on me to anybody, and I don't even think the 12 boys ever spoke of it. It was like one of those classes that I kept to myself until this podcast, of course. Those 12 boys kept to themselves because they would have gotten in trouble for it, and I think the secretary never shared with anyone, so I thank you for that. The next story I want to share with you is probably the story that made me realize that 
there are a lot of fun things happened to to me in Korea, and that I had a lot of stories to share. And um, so what happened? And I'm going to jump ahead even more. I'm going to jump ahead to 1999, right? And I am in Canada at this point, and I'm just going for a drive. And I had a, a family member ask me, what was the Korean word for bathroom? And I'm going to be honest with you, my Korean's not great, never been great, you know, it gets better, it comes and goes. It's probably better in my last 15 years in Canada than it was my nine years in Korea, but that's, I guess, okay. I was able to get by kind of thing. Um, so I thought that the word for bathroom was something that I got from a kid in kindergarten. So we had this little boy in kindergarten, and he kept saying, you know, pungi, pungi, pungi. And I said, oh, bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. And he nodded his head like bathroom. So for some reason, I had imprinted, I had imprinted that in my brain that pungi must be bathroom, right? So that was a word I, I kept kind of put in my back pocket because you need to know the word for bathroom for any place you go to in the world. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a need thing, you know what I mean? You need that one. You got to put that in your pocket. I did have no onions first, but I thought bathroom was a good word to have. So the little guy, you know, you say pumgi all the time, and I say bathroom, bathroom. He nod his head, and he go to the bathroom. Cute little fella. So... Not a word of lie. This is 99. And embarrassingly, I had been in Korea from 96 to 99. So this is three years, right? So for three years, uh, I'd used the word pumgi to refer to a bathroom because a four-year-old kindergarten student had used that word and I ushered him to a washroom because he was making these gestures like, you know, he needed a bathroom. So pumgi must be the word for bathroom. So I was learning some Korean, and so I learned things like juseyo, which is please, right? And putakamida. Oh, juseyo means I want, I'm sorry. And uh, putakamida is like with higher on, highest level may I, right? And in Korean, you have to understand there's levels of words, right? There's a level to the way you say thank you, right? You know, you can just say nay. If, you, if it's someone like, you know, a little on your level or younger, nay just means yes. You can say kamsahamida, uh, which is like to an equal, and komashimida, uh, which is thank you to someone at a higher level. So there's levels of thank you, and there's levels of please, and there's levels of may I, right? So putakamida uh, juseo would be one of the highest levels of asking. So what Korean I had, I made sure I spoke in very high honorifics, right? Which um, So like my thank you was which is like the highest level of thank you to somebody. So my putakamida, uh, juseo putakamida, is the highest level of really asking for something. It's actually making a big deal of it. It's like saying with highest honor to all due respect to you, may I, right? And I used it very well because if I wanted something, I could say, you know, putakamida, juseo pizza. You know, with all his honor, please get me a pizza, right? So I was able to put those together, right? Juseo, putakamida, pumgi, right? Which in my mind, I was saying, in all highest honor and all due respect to you, ma'am or sir, you, you who are above me, may I please go to the bathroom. 
So I used that for three years and it was great success, right? People were really great to me, you know, they're really respectful. And I think to myself, I get it. If you say it in a real respectful way, you get whatever you want. Now, I didn't get everything as as quickly as I got Pumgi. You know, when I say, do you say, oh, Putak Kamidao Pumgi, I got that quick. I got that really fast. People were so helpful. Some people even guided me right to the washroom, right? Now, I used it in other areas. Didn't get the same attention. Didn't have the same magic, but it always worked for the bathroom. So to go back to a conversation I'm with my, my fiance, who later becomes my wife, the mother of my three children, my wife to this day, who is Korean. Um, one of my family members turned to her and said, what's the word for bathroom? And I jumped in, you know, being, you know, wanna, you know, I had one word in my pocket. I was going to share it. And I said, Pumgi, it's Pumgi. And my family member nodded. And then my, my wife said, no, it's not. And I said, what? And she kind of laughed and she said, uh, the word for bathroom is washing shill. Washing shill. Oh, and then it's like, at some point, like some like light goes on and we're like, oh yeah, I've heard that word a lot. That's bathroom. Okay. And I turned to her and said, well, oh my goodness, well, what's Pumgi? I've been using Pumgi for three years now. Now, one thing you have to realize with my wife and with her being able to speak Korean, she did a lot of the Korean speaking. I did a lot of English speaking when we lived in Korea. And when we were home, we did a lot of English speaking at home kind of thing. Um, so I guess we never cross-referenced the word for bathroom, right? And so I said to her, well, what's Pumgi? And she goes, Pumgi means fart. And I went, what? She said, yes, it means fart. It does not mean bathroom. It means like to pass gas, you know, to, to fart. Is And my, my wife was just double checking me. Did I get the word right? That's the right word. I got this pale look on my face because it's one of those moments when you realize that you've embarrassed yourself for years. You've embarrassed yourself for a long time. I would be in restaurants because my, when before I met my wife, I lived in Korea for two full years with the word Pumgi in my brain, thinking that was bathroom when it was fart. And so I would go to places. Now, remember when I said earlier, I would say, which really means with all highest honor and respect to you, I must fart. So I spent two good years in Korea making this major announcement in restaurants, in department stores, in any place I went to, that not that I needed a bathroom, it was that I needed to fart. I remember standing up in the middle of a restaurant proclaiming very loudly to people, uh, hello everyone, with highest honor, this guy, this tall six foot five, lumberjack looking Nova Scotian wants to fart right now. And of course, everyone quickly rushed me to a bathroom I thought they were just being nice because I was given a nice honorific. They were just kind of protecting themselves because they did not know what was going to happen. And why would I be announcing this? It, how bad was it going to be that I needed the whole restaurant to hear what I was about to do? I, I will say this. I am a loud person. So if I was asking the person next to me where the bathroom was, the whole restaurant hears. And if I was asking someone, 
where could I go fart, which was my mistake, the whole restaurant was going to hear. So yes, for two years, I made that horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. So those were the two kind of lots and translations that kind of kind of stick with me. Um, but I, all the credit to living in Korea, all the credit to the people who, who did get me to a bathroom when I needed to, and all credit to those students who, well, at least they cursed for 10 minutes and enjoyed uh, English for a little bit. Um, so those are two kind of fun stories. So what we're going to do now is we're going to wrap up season one. So this is season one of 10 years in Korea, my adventures and misadventures. And I'll probably come back in a couple weeks and we'll pick up on uh, season two and we'll look at some really fun stories that happen along the way there. Um, I think we'll look more at um, after I get married and uh, raising two kids in South Korea. And that comes with a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I have three kids, by the way. So, but two of them were actually born in Korea. One is born here in Canada. And I'm going to share some really funny stories about raising kids in Korea from my perspective. Uh, so thank you once again for listening to 10 years, uh, 10 years in Korea, my adventures and misadventures. And look uh, for next two weeks for season two, Raising Kids in Korea. I might even change the title to Raising My Kids in Korea. Anyway, thank you very much for listening and have a great day.